in line with that word that Daniel shared. I really feel it was the Spirit of God speaking, and uh, that picture of of a proposal. Have you ever seen when a, a man brings a ring and brings it to his proposed bride? Um, she's sometimes unexpected, <laughs> and sometimes you know that's how the Lord comes to us. Some some of us might be here; it's almost like unexpected, uh, and yet. God comes and He proposes to us, and He's got a ring. And uh, the difference between how we do it and how God does it, He br- He brings and He reveals Himself to us. And instead of Him bowing before us, actually we bow before Him as the bride, you know, as the true bride. It's actually an acknowledgement: God, you, you're the King, <laughs> and you're worthy of praise, and you're worthy of honor. And and as you behold His beauty, there's just something of your heart that just bows before Him. And, and, and the beautiful thing of this picture that Daniel gave is uh, just reminded the ring, the Bi- you know, the Bible talks about that, you know, that ring in a sense is a, is, a, is a symbolism for us that you're betrothed to Him. And uh, it's a beautiful picture because Jesus has done the same thing. He's left us the Holy Spirit. And He says, that is a seal. And that's a guarantee that I'm coming back for you, that you're mine. And you belong to me, and I'm going to leave you my spirit. And, uh, and so we have that guarantee in him. And it's a lovely picture. And, uh, yeah, so I want to be sensitive to that. So if that's you and you feel God's actually calling you, I, I, I want to just take a moment and just say, prepare your hearts, because I feel if you've never given your life to Jesus, don't waste this opportunity of that proposal. It's the Holy Spirit that calls our hearts. And you might be feeling that in your heart right now is that, you know, I want to give my life to you. I've, I've just seen something of a glimpse of your glory. And I want to say that's the beginning. And from that day forth, God reveals more and more of himself and his beauty. And the funny thing is, is you can't see it unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. And that's why he's given you the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I just want to pray that. Lord, I just want to pray for every person here this morning that they would behold something of your beauty as they gaze upon you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. I pray that the scales of their hearts and the veil will be removed this morning that's over them, Lord, that they might see you and see the glory and the wonder of who you are, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and just do that in Jesus' name. So we've been just, uh, who remembers what Chad shared last week? I think, I know we've been using our prayer meeting, Acts 2.42. And uh, what is that scripture? You guys should probably know it off by heart now, right? Am I? Anybody? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, to breaking of bread. And that's what the early church did. And that was the blueprint to which we try and live our, ourselves out as, a, as looking at that as a model. And, uh, but um, I love the way Chad started that. Wasn't that we do that as a chore list? It's something that, um, you know, that we, we call to do, but it starts from a place of uh, out of my love for Jesus that I do it. Um, and, I, I, and remember just how you shared, you know, as we begin our courting stages, our early days, is that you do anything for, for the person that you, that you love. Uh, I remember I was still in my early days when Lauren and I met, and, and I... Stayed in Secunda, and she stayed in Pira Maritzburg, and that's quite a distance, about 500 kilometers or 400 and something. 
And I remember being in Appy then. I was only earning 5,000 rand a month. It wasn't much. And, uh, but I would give up that to go and visit her, and I would have to dr- drive on the N3 past Harry Smith and all those places to go on that highway, and I had to go through so many toll gates, and they were all costly. And then my money was going, and, and, and then when I arrive, I take her out. And then by the time I got back, for the month, that was my money. It was, I had nothing left for the rest of the month. Thank goodness I stayed with my folks still. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was a sacrifice. But I never looked at, funny enough, I never took hold of the money and thought, sure, is Lauren worth it? You know, <laughs> I was just in love with her. And it was, it was like, do I have enough? Can I get more? Because that's where I want to go, you know. And I think as we see Jesus like that, you know, our resources, our time, our money, everything, it's like, God, I don't get enough of you, and, and if I'm going to meet, and, and, and that's how I need to do it, then I'm going to do it. It's costly, but I, I love you, Jesus, and I'll do anything, and so the cost is something we've got to consider, because Jesus said consider the cost, but when you're in love with him, the cost is secondary, because you're in love, and uh, so we do this from a place of because we love him. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14, it says, The love of Christ compels me. It's the love of Christ that compels me to do this. It's not the list, okay? Um, It's not the commands of Christ that compels me. It's not the commands of the elders that compel me. It's not the commands of Josh Jen that commands us. Otherwise, we're a cult. We're not a cult. It's the love of Christ that compels us. And it's because of that we are extravagant in our love for Him. And that comes out in every aspect of our lives. And, um, and so, yeah, so I just felt as we've been talking about Acts 2.42, there's a wrong way and there's a right way that we can look at Acts 2.42. We don't have it here. I didn't give it to Stefani. But uh, the wrong way that we can look at Acts 2.42 is that we can tick the box. You know, if you do this, you will be saved, or you will be more like Jesus. I want to say no, because Ephesians 2.8, you can bring me that scripture. Did I give you that one, Stefani? Okay. That one says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Okay, through faith. And, not the, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then verse 9, I give you that one. Oh, sorry, I'm not reading. Not, not that anyone should boast. So we could boast over Acts 2.48. We can use that as a works by which we are saved. And Paul's saying no to that, okay? We're not saved because of Acts 2.42. But I do want to say we are saved by Christ alone. But this is the correct way we must look at Acts 2.42. Because you love him and because these are the things, the blueprints that God uh, has given us in, in a means to, to, to be more like Him, uh, those things are the outworkings of one who's saved. Okay? Do you, it's not the means by which one must be saved. It's the outworkings of one who's saved. It is the fruit of one who's saved. It's, uh, sorry, yeah, it's the fruit. It's not the root by which one must be saved. And so we've got to look at it in the right context because this can become a law. Acts 2.42 can become a heavy. And that's not the intention that God gave us this blueprint, not to be a heavy, it's not to be a, you know, we we can look at this, and you can either look at it in the one way or the other, if you look at Acts 2.42 as a tick list, let me tell you, 
you are going to carry your faith, and your faith is not going to carry you. And there's a difference. One's going to be weighty, and the other one's going to be light. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I want my faith to carry me. It's because of faith that I'm, I'm excited. It's because of faith I can do Acts 2.42. I can meet in each other's homes. Because, because of faith I love John. Because of faith I love Stephen. Because of faith I love Murray. I want to meet with them. I want to connect with them. And out of that place, we, we worship. Why do you think we extravagant in our worship? It's faith. It's not, it's not a burden to come and worship the Lord. It's not a heavy. But it can be if you've got the wrong mindset. So we've got we to have faith in what we do. And Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So um, you're not saved by these things, but Jesus is saying, because you're saved, these will be the things that reflect you. Because it's the fruit. It's the outworking of one who's saved. And uh, so I think just how we look at it. Um, so what is the first thing that, that Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to? The apostles' teaching. Now, I don't believe that's necessarily... Um, I, I believe it's an order of importance, really. The reason that God put that first is that they devoted some, themselves to the apostolic teaching. I'm going to explain why, because I think as we look at this, it's foundational to everything else we do in the life of the church. Um, in fact, when, when the Bible talks about the fivefold ministry, the fivefold gifts that Jesus imparted to his church when he left, remember? Uh, it's in Ephesians 4.11. You can bring me that scripture, Stefani. I did give you that one. Eh? Okay, cool. I'm just making sure. Uh, okay, well, let me read it. It's not, it's not a train smash. Maybe it's good for us to have our Bibles anyways back up. Huh? <laughs> Ephesians 4.11, verse uh, 4.11, it says, And he himself gave some. This is Jesus now. When you remember when he... When he, when he left, he said to his disciples, I'm going I'm to leave you, my Holy Spirit. But he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, some pastors, teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints, which is us, for the work of the ministry. And so notice here again, apostles are mentioned first on the, in the fivefold ministry. Why is that? There's something of importance here that, that God keeps stipulating to us. It's almost, it's like we look at an apostle and... Sometimes maybe we look at it wrong, with a wrong lens. Because I, I want to say this about apostle. Apostle is not greater than the other five gifts, okay? It's not, you know, when we look at an apostle, it's, it's like, wow. We, 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 especially what we see on TV sometimes, it's apostle so-and-so, and it's this, you know, smoke and glitter and lights and everything, and that's an apostle, and he's got this amazing preach. But this is not what the, the emphasis is here. But there is something of importance of an apostle. There's a grace gift that the apostle has that does something that's foundation to all the other gifts. Okay, and this is why we need to understand this. It is something that, uh, that God has uh, used that's going to build all of us up. Because remember what it says, it's for the equipping of the saints. So there's something of the apostle gift that we need to look at as a church and try and understand what is so important about this gift. Okay, and that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to look at what is the importance of the apostle. Because it says they devoted themselves to the apostle's teaching. Now, when you get a gift, it's important that you understand the gift. Am I right? Because it's a gift. I mean, I remember getting a gift from Christmas by my aunt, and it was one of these uh, sensor candle thingies. And it was like a big copper thing. And I remember opening up and going, wow, you know, because she was sitting in front of me. I'm like, wow, it looks very nice, beautiful, you know. 
And I'm like saying to Laura, what is it? <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And, uh, and then my aunt explained, no, it's a sensor. You put oil or whatever in it and you burn it. Anyway, I'm not crazy about sensors for myself. But it was one of those presents where you choose one under the tree and open, you know. And I was like, oh, why not choose that one? Anyway. <laughs> but uh, it's a good thing. So, so when we get the present, because remember, the Bible says it's a gift to the, to the, to the saints. And uh, so when we open the gift of the apostleship and the apostles' teaching, it's good to understand what is important about this gift. I don't want to just shelve it and put it on there. Well, looks nice, thank you, but I actually don't know what it means or what it's for. Okay, so it's, it's good to look at the gift. It's good to understand the gift. And, uh, and so what distinguishes the apostle from, from really the other gifts? And I want to make a foot chat, footnote here quickly because I think it's important because Jesus appointed apostles. But notice... He appointed disciples, and within his disciples, he appointed apostles. Now, I want to go quickly to Luke 6, 12, from verse 13. Is it up and running? Oh, thank goodness. Hey, Stefani. <laughs> anyway, now it came to pass in those days that when he went out in the mountain to pray, this is Jesus, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples. So he'd already had his disciples. He called his disciples to himself. And then from there, he chose 12 of whom also named apostles. Okay, so there's something unique here. There, there was a moment where Jesus went to the Father and he prayed, and he called his disciples, and it was in that place that he appointed apostles, okay? And uh, it's just good to, to make a note here, because this is a gift that we want to understand. First thing I want to say about apostle, what apostle isn't, okay? Because we, we have a perception about apostles by what we see on TV and stuff like that. Most ministries that I've seen on, 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 on internet and, and YouTube and Facebook, when guys want to advertise their apostleship, it's always apostle so-and-so. Now, the first thing I want to say, that is not scriptural. Apostle is not a title. And I'm going to prove it in scripture because we can have, because in that, there's a sense of identity. Wow, that guy's a man of God, apostle so-and-so. Paul, in his writings, and you can read it, Romans 1, verses 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Do you see that as a title or a function? It's a function. He doesn't say, okay, let me, let me read the next one. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ. Galatians 1, verses 1. He says, Paul, comma, apostle. Do you, you notice he doesn't say, I, Apostle Paul? Very interesting. It's not a title. Because we want to title things. We want to put people up there and, and make something. And Paul's saying, no, it's just my function. It's a grace gift given to me, not to make me great. It's for the benefit of the body. Okay? It's a gift to the body. And so I don't stand up here as Pastor Benny or Bob Pastor Bob or Pastor... John, sorry, I hit you a blank. I'm thinking of Chad. I'm getting old, okay? <laughs> Pastor John, or Elder John. <laughs> he's John. Yes, he's an elder. It's a function. Benny, function, elder. Okay, so it's good that we understand. It's not a title. It's a function. And uh, the second thing is, he isn't self-appointed. I didn't appoint myself as an elder even. I'm not even talking about apostleship. I never appointed myself. Someone released me to become an elder. 
someone prayed over me and said, look, do you feel you've got the capacity? Do you feel in God? And I, was, I, I could really witness in my spirit at the time that it happened. I said, yes, I've, I've had this desire in my heart. I had a longing. I felt God called me to it. And in fact, when I was released, and it's not to bring myself up, I remember a few guys standing up and saying, well, why didn't you guys do this sooner? We were, we, you know, because people recognized it. It wasn't, I felt I should be an elder, you know. It was just something I witnessed in the spirit. But I knew my identity wasn't attached to that thing. It's just what I do. It's a function. And it's the same. We've got to be careful because a point, uh, apostles as well, are not self-anointed leaders. They're not self-appointed leaders. They're sent by someone. Someone's got to release an apostle. Okay, so, so let's look at Jesus. Who, who released Jesus? Who, who sent Jesus? Because he was our first apostle, the Father. And what did Jesus say? I don't do anything of myself because I've been sent by the Father. He told me to go, and I'm, everything I'm doing now, I'm doing because he asked me to do it. I don't do anything of myself, he said. So it's almost like it's a delegated authority. It's not my authority. Okay, I've got it now. I'm going to do it. No, it's delegated. It's given to him. But it's not for his own glory. It was for the Father's glory. So, apostles too are not necessarily the greatest preachers, because that can also be a perception. If you're an apostle, you're going to have this amazing revelation that's going to be, wow, top of the charts. Everybody's going to feel really good inside, and they're going to go home and feel warm and fuzzy. And uh, that's it. That's the sign of apostleship. But Paul said this about his apostleship and his teaching. And uh, 1 Corinthians 2, did I give you that one? Yeah, good. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech, of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of the power that you, now this is the important point of what you need to understand, the apostles' position, that you, sorry, that your faith should be what in the wisdom of, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, the, fu the function of the apostle, the apostle isn't necessarily to make you feel warm and fuzzy, and yes, like, ah, oh, I feel so strong inside. No, it's actually to put you in a place that makes sure that what you are is not resting on, on people's intellect. Make sure, I, I, this is Paul saying, I want to make sure that everything that you build on is, on, is on, on the Lord. It's on Him. It's on nothing else, nothing of man. That's, that's my mission. It's not wise and persuasive words. I just want to make sure that when you leave this place, you know how to walk in Christ, that your foundation is sure. That's, that was the responsibility that Paul saw on himself. Do you, do you get it? It's to make sure the church is on a secure foundation of God and not of men. And so... Paul is saying this just to, to affirm to us. And, um, and so, what, so that's what an apostle isn't. Okay, what is an apostle? So when Jesus used the term apostle, it's good that we understand this too. Let me just... Um, it's cold, but now I'm getting hot. Okay. So, <laughs> fire him. Yeah. Um, it says, you know, one of the terms that Jesus used for an apostle, it was actually a secular word that he coined. And it was a word that he used, was actually a Roman word. 
And uh, what would happen is, just to give you an illustration, so when Rome would, because at that time that Jesus was, when he roamed the earth, Rome, excuse the pun, <laughs> Rome had conquered most of the world, really. And so what would happen is when Rome conquered a city and they would advance, they wouldn't go back to Rome, they'd, they'd conquer that city and then move on. Conquer the next city, move on, and they would get resources from the next town. But what the guys would find, that when they went back to the cities that they had already conquered, they found that, yes, they'd, they'd defeated the town and they'd taken over, and they, but the town was still not living in Rome's way of life. And so what Rome would do, they would send an apostle, and this apostle would be made up of a family, it would be a group, it would be his wife, his concubines, his slaves. In those days, they had big families. And they, the whole family of this apostle would go to that town, and they would begin to culturalize the town of how Rome would do things. And that's where you get the added saying, as in Rome, do as the Romans. It comes from that. And so, so that's the role of an apostle. He would culturalize the town to look like Rome. So they would do what the Romans did. And uh, so that when they moved back into that town, it would start to reflect something of Rome itself. And uh, it's the same. And so Jesus used that word because he came down to reflect the kingdom of God here on earth. And he said, I'm going to take something of what's there and I'm going to make it known to you. And I'm going to appoint apostles who are going to do the same. And they're going to take themselves. And they are going to be. That's why Paul says to the church, you know, he didn't say, again, he didn't come with wise and persuasive words. Sometimes he would send people who would go and culturalize that town. Like when he did with Timothy. He says, I'm going to send you Timothy because he's my son. And because he's my son, he's going to show you my way of life. That's what he said to them. So Timothy is going to be a reflection of me, and I'm a reflection of what, what's happening in the kingdom. And so Timothy is going to reflect God, really, ultimately, and God's kingdom. He didn't say Timothy is going to come and he's going to preach to you and you must listen to him. He says, no, he's just going to reflect my way of life. This is how I live. Isn't that important, hey? how we live church? It's, we can say many things from the pulpit, but it's how we live that's important as a church. So why did Jesus come? Well, he came to save us, yes, but he came to bring us to a place where we can live. I mean, he said, I came that you may have life, yes, but that you have it in abundance. And so it's like a new life. As we became born again, I've had to put away the old self. Am I right? I had to put away the old culture that I lived. All of us were adulterers, drunkards, liars, cheaters, manipulators, adulterers. What else? We were... The Bible says that. We were carnal. Uh, even, even our thoughts. I mean, you might say, I've never committed adultery, Benny. The Bible says, Jesus said, if you've even looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. The Bible says our minds were carnal. They were, they were at war with God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It hates God. That's before we came born again. Because that was the culture of what we, we were all under the sway of, of the devil, of the wicked one, the Bible says. So we all lived under the culture that he had. But now that I'm born again, Jesus says, now I'm giving you a new way of life. You're not just saved, but I'm going to show you what it means to be saved. This is the outworking of one who's saved. This is my kingdom. This is a reflection of me. And you're going to live out those ways. And this is what it looks like. And so we begin to live. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is important. Because it says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means your life. 
everything in your life becomes new. The way you live is new. And so don't hold on. Don't say, well, that's my past. You know, I can't get rid of it. No, that's a lie. You're a new creation. We need to start receiving that and believing it. We can't live in the past, church. We can't say, well, that's the way I do things. You know, I just, I'm that type of person. No, you can't. There's no excuse. And I think sometimes as a church, we, we think our goal is to get people saved in the sense that um, it's about getting people into heaven. Actually, no, it's about getting heaven into people. Heaven needs to be brought down. Jesus even said that in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? What did he say? Our Father which art in heaven, let your kingdom come. How's it going to come? Is it going to come in a void, in a vacuum? No. It's going to come through you and I, living out the culture of the kingdom. And it's not through preaching, church. It's not just through this. This is important. I'm not undermining teaching. It is so important, but I just know my gift is, it's got a, it's got a fraction of, of the importance of what we're doing here. But you and I living in it is the impact, <laughs> And so we call to be ambassadors of Christ. The Bible uses that illustration. Ambassadors. But it starts with you having a personal, first of all, having a personal revelation of Jesus. Because remember, remember when, when, when uh, was 1 Peter 2. No, sorry, before I go there. Matthew 6, verses 15. I think I gave you 16, eh? Verses 1 to 10. Uh, yeah. So Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, some say this, some say that. John the Baptist, he says, no, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then what happened? Jesus said, upon that revelation, I will build my church. So it's, it's that understanding that God begins to build. It starts with something personal. Okay? It starts personal. I've got to personally have a revelation of Jesus first. That's where it starts. And it's from that place that God begins to build on that revelation. And, uh, and, so, and, and I love the way, because Peter, Peter actually gives God that revelation. And Jesus said, it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed it to you. It was my Father. He revealed it to you. And, uh, and, and that's why it makes the Scripture so important in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You can just bring me that one. It says, you also as living stones. Now, Peter's declaring this. He's talking to the church. You are living stones, are being built in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable through God, through Jesus Christ. So Peter's saying, look, every single one of us are living stones. Okay, when we come to the, when we come to the knowledge of Jesus, it's, it's been revealed to us that he's the son of God. It's from that place, that revelation that we build the church. But every single one of you are living stones being built on that revelation. And he says, you're living stones. You're a reflection of that. And you're a reflection of God's house here on earth. Okay? You, and don't, don't say, you know, because I often hear people say, you know, church can be whatever it is. Because, I mean, cultures are different. And cultures are, you know, some cultures are like this. And, no, but it's about the kingdom culture. You see, we don't build church. Because, I mean, you, you guys all come from different cultures. You've got black, white, English, Afrikaans. What other, what other uh, languages are there? Irish. <laughs> that can be a dialect. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we all got different cultures. So if, yes, there is something of the beauty of different cultures being here, but it's us merging our cultures to, to bring to the glory of the one culture, which is Jesus' culture. You know, it's, that, it's that thing of submitting our cultures and saying it's not about our culture. 
It's about His culture. We want to see Jesus reflected in us, not something of us reflecting in Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm the other way around. <laughs> Jesus, you, you created this. And if you think God, God is not specific about His house, just ask Moses. He, he reveals it in Exodus 40, verses 20 to 38, and He says specifically how His house must look. So I don't think God's changed. He's still very specific about His house. And this house... It's not built around the comfort of you. It's built around the comfort of God. And I want to say, if you're a visitor, you know, I'll do everything in myself to make you feel welcome, to make you feel warm and, and included. But I do want to say, we can't build this around you. And if you're a person that's been here for a while and you're thinking, you know, I would like it if they do this and this and this. Say, so we don't build it around people. We build it around God. We, we want to hear what the Lord is saying. And how do we adjust ourselves to make Him feel comfortable? And uh, that's, that's the important thing. And I want to say it can be a house. This, this is God's house. It's not our house. I don't know if you've ever been to a house. I've been to a house once where uh, these rich people had this amazing, had everything, you know, in order. Everything was spick and span. Uh, everything had its place. And there was like really expensive ornaments. I remember saying to my boys, put your hands in your pockets. Don't touch anything. If anything falls, I can't afford it. You know, it was almost like, but I remember going there and feeling totally out of comfortable. I'm in this house. It's beautiful. They've got maids and servants and everything, but it's not, I don't feel at home. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel like I'm here, but it's like, you don't want to touch anything, you know? And I almost feel like, you know, God's house is made up of us. Okay, it's not perfect in the sense that it's, it's got to have all the things right, you know, in place that, that we perceive should be right. Because I go to church, I've seen churches where it's got to have this, and it's got to look like this, and it's got to be, everything can be controlled, and it's, it's very clean, it's very systematic, it's very organized, it's very clinical, but it doesn't feel like home. And I, I say we've got to be careful, I'd rather our house be messy in the sense that it's messy to us, but that it's comfortable to the Lord. God's got to be comfortable here. You know, I'm just reminded of this scripture. Maybe I should just illustrate this quick. Um, this, this really stood out to me this morning. I only thought about it really, well, this morning. Can you give me a chair there, Lon? Because this is God's house, and that includes you guys. When God comes into the house, the Bible says He stands at the door and He knocks, that He, that, uh, that he knocks, that He comes in and He feels, you know, because God, God's a gentleman. He, the funny thing is He doesn't just open the door, this is my house, you know, you guys, he, he knocks on the door and He waits for us to open. So in a sense, we hear the Spirit and we've got to hear that knock and we've got to hear this, is that Jesus, let's open the door because I think it's Him. And we open. And that's why as elders and, and the guys giving prophetic word, we're trying to hear, is that, is that the Lord? Is this the Lord? And when we open, we, we've got to invite Him. But notice, I, I love the scripture in Acts 7.49. It says this, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is your place? What is the, or what is the place of my rest? Now notice it's the Lord's rest. Okay, so you say, heaven is my throne, okay? Just want to put, and the earth is my footstool. Now, notice something. If, if this is the picture that God wants to give us, does God look pretty comfortable? 
He is. It's, it's his footstool. He's got to be comfortable. He says, this is my place of rest. Now, you don't rest unless you're comfortable. I didn't rest last night. I battled. I don't know why, but I, I didn't find rest. But I, was, I think because I wasn't comfortable. But, um, but God has to be comfortable. And because he's comfortable, this is his rest. And, but notice the difference. Notice the weight of where God is sitting is here. It's in heaven. His rest is there. So, in a sense, earth does demonstrate we are here to reflect a certain weight of God's glory here on earth. It's not the full weight, because the full weight is in heaven. But one day, God's going to rise, and the weight is going to come here. Think of that. Are we ready for that, church? Are we ready for the weight of the Lord? And I want to reflect that. I mean, God's painting a picture for me. I don't want to... I don't want to neglect it, because the weight of his glory is going to come one day. He says now even that the earth displays his glory. Imagine when he comes. Are we ready? Is this church ready for that? Jesus, I want you to be comfortable here. This is your footstool. We are your footstool. This is your house. You're building it, but it's your footstool. So what is the apostles' role? Well, they, their role is to make sure that collectively we are building correctly. Remember what I said, you personally have to have a revelation of Jesus. But us, the apostles' role is to make sure collectively we are building right as a church, as a whole. There needs to be someone appointed who, who makes those decisions and say, guys, our church needs to reflect something like this. Our church needs to reflect something like that. Someone needs to make that call. And God has designated that to the apostles. And I'm going to just show you. Ephesians 2, verses 19, 22. It says, now therefore, you're no longer strangers, strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, sorry, and fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Do you see where your role is? Our role is to be part of this dwelling place. God is building us, and he says it's built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Now, I want to make this clear. The apostles are not the foundation. They just make sure we are building on the foundation. Okay? And I want to make that, that point very clear. They set the culture. Think of it. When you joined Josh Jen, there was something of a culture that you liked here. Am I right? So let me, let me be very practical. What, what drew you to Josh Jen? People loving one another. Anybody else? Transparency. What else? Family. Worship. Extravagant worship. There, there, is, there is a flavor that we carry here. But someone made the call and says, listen, we, I don't feel like our worship is extravagant. I'm sure Josh Jen didn't, well, maybe it did, but sure it didn't start with everybody running to the stage. Well, I know with the congregations that we went, it didn't always start like it. It had to be culturalized. Someone had to say, that's a value, and we've got to live in that. And so when people come to the front, someone who was apostolic pushed that thing. Said, that's a value of extravagant worship. I want to see, we must see that, you know. Not a command, but it's a value. Um, 
we said family, relationships, discipling one another, being in each other's homes. That was a value. And some of you obviously didn't recognize it, that it was someone else's value in some other church. And it's not downing, I'm not criticizing other churches, but hear what I'm saying. There is a unique footprint of the apostolic that has been built here that God has done. And, and we need to recognize that. You see, the thing of the culture is not something you walk in and say, well, I wonder who the apostle is of this place. Because, man, this is right. This feels good. Why? Because think of it. When the apostle builds, he builds a foundation. Who can see the foundation? Can you see this house's foundation? No, you don't. You walk in and you see the culture. You can see the house. Wow, the walls are nice. They're high. You don't think, oh, that foundation must have been deep. There must have been depth to it. There must have been solid concrete jock. I don't know anything about building, but there must have been the right stuff there to build that kind of wall or to put that in. You see, no one walks in and thinks that about a church. But I want to say, and this is why I want to say, it's important that we recognize it because the the apostle did that. He made sure that that was right. Do Do you get it? So a man named Andrew obviously had certain values that he felt were important that we build. Now, Andrew wasn't the foundation because Paul says, well, let me quickly read it. Um, 1 Corinthians 3. Now, this is Paul. I'm laying a foundation. And then we, (laughs) I'm not a fossil, by the way. I'm just a teacher. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. Now, this is Paul talking, Paul the apostle. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, okay? So the foundation has to be Jesus. So yes, we talk about the values of worship, we talk about fellowship, we talk about open homes, we talk about discipleship, but all of that is really about Jesus. It's centered around the person of Jesus, okay? So that's what Paul's saying. It's built on, on Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm not the, the foundation. I'm just laying the foundation of Jesus. So we've got to make that clear. Andrew is not the foundation of Josh Jen. It has to be Jesus. Otherwise, it's going to fall. So we don't build around Andrew. We don't build around the elders. We build around Jesus. But someone has to interpret what they see as a value that, of how living out Jesus looks. Okay, so... And so I see, as I read the scripture, there are two responsibilities. There's one from the apostle and there's one from us. The one from the apostle is that he's got to lay that foundation right because God's going to judge him whether he put a value where he shouldn't have put a value or he didn't put a value where he should have put a value. So Andrew will be judged one day. If he didn't build Josh Jane, if God said, Andrew, I wanted you guys to be more, I don't know, give me, I don't know, whatever. There's things that you feel we should Talk to us. <laughs> we do have blind spots. But, but there can be things that, that, that God has told Andrew and he hasn't, or maybe, I don't know. But if he hasn't done it, he's going to answer to the Lord. And God's going to judge him of what he did build, what he did lay as a foundation. But now our responsibility is this, but let each one of you take heed how he builds. So obviously you're bought into a value. You're bought into something that you think, yeah, I, I, I can really knit my heart to this church because they carry similar values to what I'm feeling. And yes, I, I can align myself to that. And as like, like Anu and Gina and uh, Sean and Jax have come, they've made that decision in their hearts. Now, we we want to come in line. We want to build with you guys. We, we want to come and 
live our lives on that. And so, in a sense, you coming to that foundation that has been laid and saying, well, that foundation be Jesus, but now how do we live this out? And so, and so how does that look? And so that's going to be their responsibility. And if you've made that decision, that is your responsibility. How do you build on that foundation? You're going to give your time, your resources, everything of yourself. You know, how much value you're going to give. That's what Paul says, because it's going to be tested with fire one day. Everything is going to be tested with fire. So what is it? Precious gold, silver, hay, straw? You know, what is it? And so I think I've, I've kind of labored the, the, uh, the apostles' uh, teaching. Is it, it carries weight. It carries something of importance. And uh, we're going to be having the 412 conference this October. And I know, I want to say too, before I came on to full-time, there were moments where, I mean, I was working at Petra, I say, I battled to get time off. Uh, because every time Petra, I say, would have their shutdown, would be over October, which would be either, I remember when we were still in CMI days, it was then uh, we had New Covenant Ministries, we had also the 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 apostles would come and teach, and uh, and even now it seems to fall October. And but there were times that I could give, the, uh, you know, say to my boss, "Listen, can I get off? Can I take off?" And I know it was costly because, especially then, the early days when I was contracting, I didn't get paid, and so I took time off. But I saw the value of, of that and what it built into me personally. And so, and there were times I couldn't. And so I'm not, I'm not. Uh, putting any heaviness on you guys and saying, you know, if you don't, you don't meet that expectation, we're going to put your cross on your name. No, I, I, what I'm trying to put away is a weight of the value of coming. And if you can do by any means, come to that. Because basically what you're coming to, you're coming to the, to the place where there is a unity, there is a, a forging of relationships and all of that, but something more than that to me. It's like you're coming, because you, you recognize foundations were laid here, but you're actually going to the heart of the man who laid that foundation, and you're hearing his heart. And I've noticed, even at times when I've gone to those, those times of, of uh, the training conferences, that there's been times where, just listening to Andrew and the guys, there's been a bigger picture, you know, living in George and being in the eldership here, even, even as an elder, we, we kind of painting a picture, you know, and we like this thing, you know, we're coloring in and doing our thing, but but then there's a moment where you step back and you see this color where other people have been picturing and you actually begin to see the bigger picture. You know, so like we're just an aspect of, of you know, we're just a, a portion of, of, of what God is doing. And, and so as you stand back, you begin to see the bigger picture of what God is doing as a whole. And it helps me. It, it kind of aligns me personally that I'm not only building locally, but I'm actually building the kingdom of God, which is a global thing. God is coming back to, to the world, really, to be an influence, and we need to sometimes sit back and, and recognize the authority and the anointing uh, of what God is doing, and how He's He's given guys like Andrew and you know Russell and all those guys. Uh, uh, he's given them a grace, and I want to I want to hear that when they speak. I want to be part of that, and align myself to that because I've said to myself, I'm going to knit my hearts with these guys, and I'm going to build upon that foundation, and it is on Jesus. And I want to live in that. I want to live in the fullness of that. And it's not only me locally here in George, but I believe it's, hey, there's outreaches to go to. There's places to go. There's, you know, some of you, I believe, are guys are called to plant churches. But are you ready? Are you, do you understand the apostolic to do that? 
And, uh, and so that's what it's about, really, for us. And so, I, yeah, maybe I'll just, just in ending there, let me just maybe close our eyes and, and you know, I just want to create a little space for the Lord and allow Him to, to just minister to us.